and welcome we are back here with a new week and some new incredible guests that's right this morning i have the incredible linda s plunkett joining me she is sitting in the back studio so i'm going to get right into tea time this morning we're going to spill it but before we get started i want everyone to just check out miss liz's youtube channel give it a quick subscribe ring that bell and you can be notified for all of these incredible tea times that are coming to you each and every week Remember, each and every week we do have tea times on Thursday. If it is a different date than Thursday, it's because it is a rescheduled tea time. So we're going to get into the disclaimer. We're going to get into bio. And then I'm going to get the incredible Linda in here. And she's going to share her story. So the story this morning is a little sensitive. So I want to give heads up to anybody. If I will not be offended if you feel that you can't tune in due to the story. But I want you to grab your tea, grab your coffee, grab a glass of water, grab your juice, grab your breakfast. Don't forget to eat your breakfast in the morning because breakfast is important. So let's get started here. So the disclaimer for Miss Liz's Tea Time Live shows. Miss Liz and myself is going live using StreamYard. Before leaving a comment, please grant StreamYard permission to see your name at StreamYard.com. Please be advised that the content brought forward for any Tea Time show hosted by myself, Miss Liz, is always brought forward in good faith. However, may bring forth dialogue and opinions that may not represent my platform. The facts and information are perceived to be accurate at the given time of airing. All Tea Time guests and audience participants are responsible for using their good judgment in taking any action that may relate to the discussion. The content brought forward may include discussions for some where they may be emotionally at risk. It is significant to know that this show is engaging in discussion forms only to offer and inspire awareness and connection and is not providing therapeutical advice. If you have any questions about the disclaimer or the panelist discussion, you may freely contact me, Miss Liz, at my email at bookingmissliz at gmail.com. Moving forward, should you choose to voluntarily participate in today's show in any aspect, I myself, Miss Liz, welcomes you. And should you decide that the show is not made for you at this time, I respect that and I will see you at a later show in a later date and time. Again, all two times this year in 2023 are done on a Thursday. So I'm going to get Linda in here. I'm just going to do her bio and then we're going to get her in here and we're going to sit and we're going to spill a strong tea because I feel she's going to give us a strong TEA today. So Linda Plunkin is an author and speaker holding a PhD in biblical psychology. She is also an ordained minister. Linda wrote the book Supernatural Rescues from Broken to Beautiful, which details her having been diagnosed with a tumor the size of a tennis ball growing in her brain frontal lobe without her knowing and the subsequent surgery she underwent to have it removed plus the battle she fought with fibromyalgia eight months after her surgery her second book which is in the comeback story after supernatural rescue is currently at the publisher and will be released in 2023 but i just got news this morning that it is out so we'll be talking about the second book as well 
So let me get Linda in here. Welcome, Linda. Thank you, Miss Liz. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your program. It is an honor to have you here. I'm going to get right into it. Linda, let's start from the little girl to who you are now. So let's get to know the little girl first, and then we'll get to know the big Linda. Well, as a little girl, I grew up in Ohio. I grew up in a rural area. My parents had a business, and as a result, I worked in the business from the age of nine years old um, all the way through my teen years. And uh, so in a way, I think my childhood was a little bit out of the ordinary where some little girls might be doing dance classes or, you know, girly things. We had a business to run and I was expected to be a part of the business. But, um, you know, as far as going to school, I went to a public school. Um, I grew up near the Amish country in Ohio, so we could see horse and buggies go down the road, you know, which was always interesting, always fun, you know, living out in the country. There wasn't probably quite as much to do, but I remember when the little ice pond froze up in the backyard, I would get my ice skates and go out there and see what I could do on that little bit of ice we had that was frozen in, in the forest or the wooded area near my home. So, um, my you know, growing up, like I said, it was probably a little different, um, but I did learn a lot of values about hard work. You know, I learned the importance of working and having a strong work ethic. And also my parents were poor and I saw them go from being poor to becoming very successful in their lives, which was very excited as I you know, excited, exciting experience for me as I grew up. Well, and, and this is why I always ask the little, the, who was a little child, right? Before we got to the, because sometimes our background gives us that strength, right? To where we are today. It does. And also, you know, I laugh when I say that now I'm reliving my childhood. When I was about 55, I decided I wanted to dance. And so now I do competitions in ballroom dancing. And um, love to dance. After the brain surgery, I had problems with balance. I had problems with co coordination. It really, really, really has helped my brain a lot, I'm happy to say. But yeah, I've gotten to go back and maybe relive that part of my childhood I would have liked to have as a child. And you bring up ballroom dancing, and I did find that on you. You you received an award in 2018, I believe, for dancing, correct? I did. After the first book came out, which was Supernatural Rescue, um, I was working on a solo for a major dance competition, which was in New Orleans. And um, it was exciting because um, I had four backup dancers and we were going to New Orleans. I had no idea, this was a total shock, that I was going to get an award. But um, it was very humbling because they said that I encourage, inspire other people, which is important. And, you know, sometimes you go through really hard times. You do not know why you're going through them, but later you learn so many things that can help others. And so um, in spite of the years of pain and suffering that I've been through, I can say I'm very grateful to God for getting me to this point. And yeah, the award was a complete surprise. I had no idea I was receiving <laughs> the award. My family was there, but it, it was very exciting and probably one of the most special moments of my life. So, Linda, we have a question here for you. What is your favorite dance in the ballroom? Well, I think I would have to say cha-cha. I like fast yeah. dancing. <laughs> I like cha-cha. I like swing. I like the Latin dances. And I've really been blessed to do a little bit of all of it, do the country dancing, the smooth dancing. And I like foxtrot as far as a smooth dance. But there's just something about the fast dances or the rhythm that I really like the best. So you like the faster dances. I see, I preferred the Foxtrot. I, I took a little bit of ballroom dancing, I think back in 2007 at the Frank Sinatra uh, uh, studio here in Ottawa. Uh, so yeah, it's really enjoyable. And you actually lose a lot of weight too from dancing. Like a lot of people don't realize it's that. It's great right? exercise. And people don't realize as you get older, it's fantastic for your brain. Studies have shown that, believe it or not, dancing, like lead and follow type dancing, is one thing that's very proactive as far as helping your brain as you get older, especially if you're in early dementia. So that's very exciting for a lot of people. Um, it's challenging. It challenges your body. You have to think quickly to decide what you're going to do next. 
And so um, people say, oh, I couldn't do that. But, you know, I want to tell people you can get an instructor. You can go as slowly as you want to. You don't have to, you never have to commit to be a competitor or anything like that. I never really was a competitor in anything until I did this. So this is new for me, but you can do it just out of your own enjoyment. And also you meet a lot of nice people in the process of learning to ballroom dance. And, and, and if anybody's interested in seeing uh, Linda's competition, it is on her YouTube channel. So I'm going to put it up here so people can check out your YouTube channel. Give it a quick subscribe, support Linda, and you can also follow her story. Another way to follow Linda. So Linda, I want to get into your story. You had written your first book. It's called The Supernatural Rescues. Why that title and what does that st that story entitle? Well, in the, you know, I think we talked earlier about the subtitle, which is Broken to Beautiful. That was kind of my choice. And when I talked to my publisher, they said, there's a lot of books out there with that title, Broken or Broken to Beautiful, very similar. But the story really talks about a supernatural rescue, which was completely um something that you know i never dreamed would happen but i was really at the end of my rope and really felt that i was dying and i was passing and could actually see myself i know this is going to sound strange but physically see myself leave the front of my house go out the front door when i had just given up hope and at that point i felt god had left me it was very hopeless it was probably the most hopeless point of my life after the brain surgery i couldn't think i couldn't walk I couldn't do anything. I really felt very close to what someone might call a vegetable, but I really felt I was dying. I was on my way out the door and this gigantic hand reached out and pulled me back into my body. And all of a sudden I knew God was there and I knew that I was meant to be alive. And, and it was very surreal. Some people say, Linda, well, I don't believe in those kinds of things. You know what I say? It's fine. You don't have to believe this is what happened to me. And that's why I wrote the story. And also, about the recovery when, you know, later I was told there's nothing we can do for you. It was a very difficult time, but definitely by far the most difficult time of my life. And you'd ask about my childhood, but I would say, you know, my adult life was pretty normal. In fact, when those around me said, Linda, you're not acting normal. There's something going on. I felt perfectly normal <laughs> and I really hadn't had a lot of health problems. And so it just really came upon me very suddenly to discover that I had a tennis ball sized tumor in my frontal lobe of my brain. Wow. So how did you react when you found that out, Linda? Well, it was shock. Um, you know, I think I mentioned that I was a counselor. I've been counseling people at that point, 15 years. And I really wanted to be in denial, <laughs> but when you're, you know, you're a psychologist, you can't, <laughs> you, you don't have that choice. You have to be in the real world, but I just wanted to believe it wasn't happening. I thought maybe it's a bad dream. Maybe I'll wake up. Maybe it's, it's going to go away, but it didn't. And I had to find a brain um, surgeon very quickly because I was told because of my seizures that death could come at any moment. And so it was something we could not wait. We had to go out. We had to get someone to do the surgery immediately. So Linda, when did you start having brain issues? Was it when you found out about the, the tumor? Just prior to that, um, I went out to lunch one day with a friend of mine who's a missionary to Guatemala and my older son, Ian, we were just having a normal lunch. And like I said, I didn't notice anything to be wrong. People say, were you having headaches? No, no headaches. I was just feeling fine. And we came back from lunch and my friend and my son went over to my husband, Jim, and said, you know, there's something not right with her. You know, you need to have her checked out. And my husband said, oh, she's fine. There's nothing, nothing wrong with her. I think sometimes husbands are the last ones to, to notice things. But I went to the doctor and the doctor said, you know, you're probably okay, but we should have an MRI just in case. So I had an MRI within, I would say, about a two-week period of those events and shock of shocks. I get the phone call. I'm sorry to tell you this, but you have a tumor in your frontal brain lobe. And not just a small tumor, but a tumor the size of a tennis ball. So I really, I was in shock. And I think the average person would be in shock, regardless of your background. 
Well, and I think Linda, our spouses sometimes, you know, like our husbands or boyfriends, you know, our, our better half sometimes want to have that denial as well. Right. They want to say, well, there's nothing wrong. Like, you know, it'll pass. Oh, right. Right. We don't want to believe it. We don't, you know, especially when things are going fairly normally and, and that's what I mean. I was 59 at that point and I had no high blood pressure and no, you know, no blood sugar problems, cholesterol, and, you know, a little bit of weight, but we all, a lot of us deal with a little bit of extra weight. But other than that, really um, nothing major to give me an idea that there was something wrong. So like you say, I'm sure that was the case that, you know, he didn't want to admit it either. Yeah. So how did your family react when they found out, Linda? Well, they were also shocked and also the fact that I had to have an immediate surgery. And this, the scarier part for me was this surgery was supposed to last three to four hours, but it lasted seven to eight because there were complications. Oh, wow. And so I was under anesthesia twice as long. And I guess I will never know looking back. The reasons, you know, okay, I had a brain surgery, but people tell me when you're under anesthesia for a long period of time that that also affects you. So what part was brain surgery and what part was being under anesthesia for so long, I guess I'll never know the, you know, the formula, but I was really very messed up when I woke up eight hours later and it was just frightening. It was devastating and pain everywhere and um, just no tools, no mental tools, physical tools really to combat the situation that I found myself in. And we were talking, Linda, in the back before we got on, before we went live, and you said there was three parts of the supernatural rescue. So let's get into those three parts of the, the, how the book is written. Okay. Well, the three parts, I probably was referring to the new book, and I'm just going to put my. Oh, yes, up that's here right. right. <laughs> here we are. And we're jumping again. We're getting a positive life in a negative world, and it is available now on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. But no, this book, and if you don't mind, I'll just shift gears a little bit. A little bit no, 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 go book. ahead. Um, the first book is pretty much a memoir, how I got through it, yes. and, um, and the beginnings of the fibromyalgia. And at the end of the first book, I thought that I found the magic pill, so to say, but I'm sad to say it didn't work. And so for many years, I've been battling fibromyalgia, but I found solutions when doctors said there's nothing we can do, when... You know, I read articles. This is the interesting part. When I researched the book in 2016, I researched fibromyalgia. And this year in 2022, I researched it again. Do you believe that doctors still can't agree to what it is, oh, the wow. symptoms, the treatment? There's no agreement. And um, I found some more recent research, which is very hopeful. But honestly, through my own experiences, I've found things that would help me. And a lot of friends that have fibromyalgia said, Linda, please tell us what you're doing. How did you get well? So the part one of this book is really to um, being healthier, your body and your brain and what to do just to really fight pain and fight. Um, I guess, you know, there again, not just fibromyalgia, but people going through pain and they're having problems with their body. These are things that I have learned. They might not necessarily work for everybody, but there's a lot of ideas in the first section of the book. And I even now, since I published the book, I have found new things that have helped my fibromyalgia. So that's very exciting. So when I have an opportunity to speak for groups, I have even more material that's in the first part of the book. The second part of the book is about the mind, will, and the emotions. And people say, Linda, I didn't go through what you've been through, but you know, I want help because we've all had fear coming out of the pandemic. Some people are much more fearful. So I have a chapter on fear. I have a chapter on dealing with stress. I have chapters on grief and how to deal with um, just persevering and getting through hard times. And the title of the book is Living a Positive Life in a Negative World, but I also have a chapter in that section how do we get through the negativity of this world? Because every time you turn on the news, it's bad news, isn't it? Yes. And people tend to be pessimistic. They tend to be negative, but it doesn't help us. It doesn't help us deal with things. So I have quite a few suggestions how to get through um, those types of issues. And then the third section, um, and you know, before I tell you about the third section, I want to say the second section was especially humbling for me to write. 
because I have a PhD in psychology, I have to admit I was a mess. I really was. I was a mess and I didn't know how to get well. I didn't know how to help myself. And when you have physical pain and you don't sleep, it changes you into a different type of person, which was frightening to me because I started to have self-hatred. I had to deal with that. But um, a lot of the section two is what I had to overcome to get well and to feel good about myself again and to have a more positive life around me. But the third section was I had difficulties in my relationship with God. And although I had believed in God my whole life, when you're sick for a long time, some things don't make sense when you're sick. Like, God, are you still there? God, why aren't you answering my prayers? God, have you left me totally? And what is going on? You know, I'm t and I started to feel like I was being punished. Like I said to my husband, what did I do wrong? Why am I not getting well? But you know, what I learned during that time was there's not always answers when you're going through it. When you start getting through things, then you begin to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But sometimes we have to persevere, just like in the second section, I wrote the chapter about persevering. I, I went back and I looked for quotes of famous people and what they said about perse perseverance. And I love some of the quotes, like Winston Churchill, he had a great quote. He said, if you find yourself in hell, keep on going. And I thought that was so great because sometimes you just feel like I'm in hell. How do I get out of this? But you can't stay there. You've got to keep going. And and then I think it was Robert Schuller who said, tough times never last, but tough people do. And sometimes we have to make the decision to be tough and just to get through it. And I'm not saying it's easy. It was not easy for me. And I'm still learning. But another thing that's important, I think, doc to know doctors cannot always answer your questions You've got to do some of your own research. You may have to look into alternative medicine. Alternative medicine has helped me so much with fibromyalgia. When regular doctors said, we don't know, we don't have any answers, and they all disagreed. So I think sometimes you have to be your own advocate and your own researcher and be willing to go out there and try to help yourself with the help of God, of course. Well, I think it's really important, Linda, right, that we advocate for ourselves. And I really want to thank you for saying that because I say it all the time. You know, doctors are human beings, too. They don't have yes. all the answers. And, yes. Uh, we have a question here for fibromyalgia. Uh, I, I, this, is, this individual says, I live with fibromyalgia. What tips could you give me to get over the, the stress and understanding? I guess they're, they're just been just been early diagnosed and they would like to understand when you first got diagnosed, how did you get over the stress of finding that out? Well, it is frustrating because I don't know if the person you're speaking with has had the same experience, but they really didn't seem to be able to give me tools or help. And then, like I said, there was the magic pill. I will say, be careful about prescriptions because many of them have side effects. The one that I took for three months later, someone said, oh, Linda, that's terrible. You shouldn't have taken it. But, you know, I think when you're desperate and you're in pain and you, you can't sleep, you reach out and you try to find whatever you can find. But, you know, I would say, um, obviously, if she could get a copy of the book, it might help because I have a lot, lot more in the book than what I could really uh, be able to tell you right now. But I would tell her, look at her overall health and look at her overall um her diet, her exercise, what she's able to do. And um, sometimes just by eating even, I mean, I have certain hints in the book as far as anti-inflammatory diet. I also have hints how to eat for your brain. I wanted to include that for people going through brain issues as well. But sometimes there's small adjustments we can make. Like I found when I changed my diet, and, and you'll see when you, if you look at the book, the section about the eating, People have said to me, oh, Linda, I can never do that. But, you know, sometimes we have to make hard decisions. If I eat in a certain way, say, to avoid anti-inflammatory foods, I feel so much better. If I fall off the bandwagon, which we all do, we're all normal, <laughs> you know, and we have a couple of days, my body pays for that. And I immediately don't feel quite as well. I've had to make adjustments with my sleep and sleep has been a battle for me, but I've had to learn new techniques um, to sleep better. And so um, there's just so much, there's so much I could say. And I would, I mean, it, I could give you hours of information, but I would say um, 
you know, she's willing to also reach out to me. I, I have um, an email, I have a website. Um, I do occasional counseling. I've had to shut down my practice because I do inspirational speaking and I enjoy traveling. I enjoy doing the podcast. You can't do everything. But, you know, if someone needs a word of encouragement and it's not going to be like therapy on a regular basis, occasionally I can talk to someone in person and I'm happy to do that. Or I can speak for their group on a particular topic. So um, those options are there. I wish I could just make it very simple, but without knowing her, what she's going through, I probably, you know, would say just to start with her general health you know, her exercise plan, maybe if she's able to exercise and her eating and her diet, that could have an effect. I'm not guaranteeing it will, but for me, it really did help me a great deal. Uh, she also wants to know, so the second book that you wrote, Linda, is it on the fibromyalgia? Well, basically living a positive life in a negative world, it's going to encompass more than that. But the first section is definitely things I did that helped me and I did I have used non-traditional medicine which has helped me tremendously um, and more to my knowledge but part one is primarily for those ladies that have said Linda please help us help us with our our physical body the part two and the part three goes along with it in that when your body is physically ill you do have emotional problems and you may even have problems with your faith having to do with God. So I think that the whole book, although it's not just specifically for fibromyalgia people, anybody that's going through pain or struggling or is, you know, is suffering and they don't know what to do, they're having trouble getting through hard times, I think this book will help them. And in general, anybody, um, anybody reading section one, I was really surprised. I couldn't get my husband to read the book. And that, that's embarrassing for me to say. But finally, the Kindle, the Kindle version came out. I needed it approved. And he said, well, I'll read it. I can speed read it. And I said, well, you're taking a while. He said, I'm taking notes because I put a lot of benefits about exercise and eating that people, people in general don't know those things. And had I not been as sick as I was, maybe I would not have known them. So I do think there's good general knowledge for everybody. Well, thank you so much for that. And again, it just came out. Uh, like I said, then I I was like, oh, it's coming out soon. And then I seen last night when I did my last little bit of homework on my guests, I was like, oh, her book is out. So we will be talking about book two. You, you know, it, it's just the way the world works, right? But I want to. Well, it is. It is. And it took me longer this time. My first publisher, they I paid more money and they did a lot. The second publisher, I didn't pay as much. I had to do more, which was a struggle for me. And I'm not a technical person, but thank you, God, I got through it. <laughs> but, it, you know, it was just more difficult because I had to learn to do new things uh, to approve a lot of the sections of the book and the publishing process. It was educational. It was good for me, but it was, I won't say it was easy. It did take longer because it was more difficult for me. So the second book was harder to write than the first one? It was harder to write, but also harder to have it published. Last summer was very difficult for me. I had a car that was total. I lost, um, the, I had the deaths of two loved ones close to me. And um, I felt I had to finish this book. And um, we sometimes go to Asheville for the summer. I was up in Asheville and really I just, there was, I didn't have a car in Florida. So I had nothing really to do, but to do the book. But because of those circumstances, it was very hard. And I cried. I admit I cried a lot because when you revisit that pain that you've been through also, and then you're still grieving the loss of those around you, it was it was difficult. It was not easy. But um, we got through the book and I felt confident the book was finished and had everything it needed to have. And so then the next four or five, six months was about finishing the publishing process. So it took a while, but I had a really good publisher. I was very happy with them. They were very helpful. They answered a lot of questions. And I was able to struggle through those parts that were difficult for me, I'm happy to say. Well, that's good. I'm happy that you got somebody that was able to help you with that, Linda. So, Linda, I want to get into your tea, and then we're going to get back into the books and all that good stuff. So if anybody has any questions, put them in the comments or send your questions directly to Miss Liz. That's where the questions are coming in. Uh, it saves a lot of time and Ms. Liz can scan over the questions if they're related to the topic. So that's what I do. Uh, so I want to thank all of the viewers and listeners out there that are joining this morning. 
And if you're watching a replay, just push hashtag replay where you're tuning in from. But now I want to get into your tea, Linda. So if I ask you what your tea is, what three words are you going to give me? Okay, when we're talking about TEA, the first thing that came to mind was transformation. And you could also call that change. Because literally, when you go through hard times, you are transformed and you are changed. And you can be transformed for the good or transformed for the bad. And there's choices that have to be made. And also, with your, you know, with your decisions as far as Am I going to try to get through this the best I can? Or I'm going to stay stuck. Am I going to make everybody around me miserable? Which I will admit when I was in pain, I was not a very nice person to be around. But because of the tools and the things I learned, I was able to transform from being um, sick, from being upset, from being emotionally downcast, from being um, even spiritually challenged. I was able to make the transformation to a place where now I'm at peace and I'm not well all the time. I have issues. I think we all have some issues going on, but I'm able to deal with those things much better. And so I have been able to have transformation or change. And I'm very grateful to God to get to that place. As far as the E, that's an easy one for me. Um, I believe in the midst of going through everything I've been through, the reason I'm here is to encourage and people say, Linda, you encourage me, you inspire me. And it gives me hope that I'm glad that I'm alive because I must admit there were points, this is embarrassing to say that I didn't want to be alive. I just, I just said, God, just take me. I don't want to be here. This is terrible. But I know that I went through this for a purpose and that I have a testimony and I have a story to tell that can encourage other people and give them hope as well. So that's very important for me as a person. And the third thing, attitude. And attitude, I would also say attitude and making adjustments, which is also an A. You have a choice as far as your attitude. You can stay negative, you can stay upset, you can stay downcast, or you can say, how do I find my way out of this? How do I find solutions? How do I, um, how do I adjust to this so I can come out of this having a good attitude even though I'm going through hard things. And I will not say that's easy, that's not easy, but it's possible, but you have to persevere and you have to surround yourself with positive things like the title of my book, Living a Positive Life in a Negative World. If we listen to the news every day and we're sick and we're, you know, we're not feeling well, we probably are not gonna have a very good day, especially if the people around us that we associate with are negative as well. However, if we can choose positivity and adding positivity to our lives. This might be through reading books. It might be through collaborating with positive people. It might be deciding to build our own faith and believing that God has a better purpose. But we have a much better chance then to have a positive attitude and to get through those adjustments to become more positive. And I think that's a really strong T. And as you were saying the words, I'm like, yep, that's her. Yep, that's her. Your story has been really transformational. Like, you know, you really transform through the surgery and through the illnesses. You know, you, you really have just continued to continue to grow, you know, and fly those wings. Uh, you did bring in the word encourage. And I was like, ah, uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I asked all the guests what the one word to describe themselves. And the word that you did give me, Linda, was encourage. So what does encourage mean to you? Encourage to me, um, it can mean many things and it's come to mean many things. Okay. I've been very blessed to speak for a number of different groups and do podcasts and people will cry or they'll come up to me afterwards and they'll share their story with me, which is very touching. Um, but you know, some days it just means seeing someone who needs something and helping them or seeing someone who running into a person that needed a positive word or um, it can be so small. I was at a meeting and I saw a lady in a wheelchair and she's pulled, she has like an automatic wheelchair where she drives herself. And it's in a massive group of people and her water bottle fell on the floor and she's sitting there and she can't pick it up. And she nobody even is noticing the water bottle. And I noticed the water bottle. I went over and picked it up and gave it to her. And she said, thank you. To me, that was encouraging somebody that one moment they needed help. 
if we can be there for each other, I just think it's so important because all of us get in our own little world. Sometimes it's just having an attitude of being aware of what's going on around you. What's going on around you? You know, is there somebody that could use even a small act of kindness or a word of affirmation? And that could make their day better. That could really help them in some small way. So on a day to day, I try to stay aware. I try to get out of my own world and my own thinking, which is not always easy um, because, you know, it's hard when, you know, you have a list, you're doing your to-do list and you're trying to get through everything to be aware and to um, really stay in touch with other people around you. But I think that if we, we would do that more and we would reach out to each other more, we also would not feel as alone. Sometimes we can feel alone, but we put ourselves in a place that's alone instead of being with other people that are like us or being with people we want to be like. So Linda, when you were sick and you had your surgery, did anybody encourage you to keep going? Well, <laughs> this is not an easy thing for me to answer. And you know, you have to realize I'm, I'm an encouraged and inspired and I counseled for many years, but this was the part that was really hard for me. When I first signed out, I had a brain, brain tumor. You know, and I look back and I really think it was fear, but people just walked away. I would ask people for things and they would just walk away. And I felt like I had a contagious disease. Maybe before the surgery, they thought I was going to die. Or maybe they felt like after the surgery, they didn't know how to deal with me because my situation was so bad. But you know what I tell people? You don't have to have answers. You know, after that happened, I said to people, why, why did you walk away? I just want to know so I can understand. Well, we didn't know what to do. You know, you don't have to know what to do. Sometimes you just have to be there. When my brain was messed up and all I could do is sit at a table and try to put puzzles together, it was really that bad. I was at that point once. There were one or two people, they would just come over and they would help me put together a puzzle. My brain was messed up. I didn't communicate well. I wasn't walking well. But I think when you don't know what to do, try to put yourself in that person's position and say, how would I feel if I was alone and going through this horrible thing? How would I feel if people didn't call me, didn't visit me? And that was really probably in the earlier stages of being ill that this happened. But that was one of the more devastating effects of being sick is that people did walk away. Not everybody, but a lot of people. A lot of people I would have thought that maybe could have been there or wanted to be there. For example, there was a meeting I wanted to go to and all I asked for was, can somebody pick me up? I couldn't drive. Nobody volunteered to pick me up. And I was shocked. I was really shocked. But uh, then, I, you know, I really do believe it was more out of fear. They didn't understand and they were fearful to be around me. But sometimes we have to get through those fears and realize people still need us. And if we were in the same position, we wouldn't want to be alone, would we? Yeah, exactly. And it's good that you asked, you know, like, why, why did you not come? Because, and I think the unknown scares a lot of people, right? It does. It does. Not understanding, not knowing. And um, my family, of course, they were not like that. They were with me. They, they were happy. I was alive. You know, I was in a really bad place mentally and physically for a long time. But they were with me, my, my immediate family, but some of my friends that I thought were friends, you know, unfortunately, you know, walked away, at least for a temporary period of time. So well, that you also fine. you also find that find that out as well, Linda, when we get sick, right? Who really is true to us? Exactly. And, who and exactly. I think that's why we get illnesses sometimes is to give us an eye opening, you know, that maybe some people have to be removed from our story, you know. That chapter has ended and a new chapter needs to begin. And I think that an illness sometimes gives us that awakening and says, oh, my goodness, like, I didn't notice this before. Now I do. Thank you. You know, so let's get into the spirit, spirituality of your books and how strong you stayed because your faith is really strong. So I want to get into that a little bit, Linda, with you. So what kept you going with your faith? Well, you know, um, as I mentioned a few moments ago, I had been a believer most of my life, but this was, this was a, such a devastating experience. Um, I think having had, you know, grown up and having had faith since I was a child helped, 
But there was that moment that I could not understand why God was not answering my prayers. And I was sick on and off. I mean, I was sick after the fibromyalgia. Um, I had falls. I had injuries to my body. I had things happen. Um, and I had a lot of sleep problems. I had a lot of pain. And this went on not weeks or months, but years. And so, you know, it was saying, God, you know, what did I do wrong? I felt I really felt that I had done something wrong. I was being punished because I could not understand why I wasn't, you know, why I was still alive and not feeling better because I felt God had been faithful and answered prayers in the past. But I do feel that, like I said, as I look back, it was more about learning how to persevere. And, and although I've been a counselor all those years, I feel because I had to wait so long to get my own answers and find my own answers, it really gave me hope that I, I had to go to a deeper level where I could reach other people. I know, I don't know if that, I'm not sure how to explain that better, but because my pain and my suffering went on so long to another level, now I'm able to touch people that also have those situations that they don't have answers and they don't understand the whys of all of that. And, um, you know, sometimes you're going through things and you there's just not an answer at that time. And we have to believe that, you know, my life isn't over yet. I'm still here. I'm helping people. There must be still be answers out there that I haven't found. And in my case, I did find a lot of answers on my own, you know, and through through the help of reading books and doing study online and, and, and using a lot of different sources, I was able to find my way to a better, happier existence. But we don't always get instant answers. And I think we live in a society, we want instant answers. We want it and we want it now. We don't want to wait. And sometimes we have to wait. We have to wait on God too. And we don't know why we're waiting, but he has his reasons. He has his plan. And maybe it was just so my story could be greater. Like I tell people, I never thought I would write one book, let alone two. And the second book really did come out of people saying, how are you doing so well? We know you have fibromyalgia. How are you doing so well? Because it's it's horrible, you know, and doctors still don't have answers. Although, like I say, I think you have to look around the world and you have to look at other alternative medicines and other ways to, to, to find um, you may, maybe non-traditional medicine. And like you said, you mentioned before, doctors do not have all the answers and we can't expect them to. They only know what they've learned in their training. And like people said to me, well, why don't they, why don't they refer you? They don't know about those other types of medicines. <laughs> and something exciting for me, um, I was on a ship recently and I found out about acupuncture oh. and, um, acupuncture is not all the same and the practitioners don't do it the same way, but acupuncture and Chinese herbs and found how that could help me, but it's not the same for everybody. And also the practitioners are not all the same. So it's kind of like one size doesn't fit all, but you've got to do a little research. You've got to do some looking and sometimes just be willing to try something new. I will be honest and say, because I feel like my nerves are shot due to the fibromyalgia. I felt every pin go into my body. And I want to say she put like 30 pins in my body when she was wow. treating me. And I had a, a number of treatments, not just one. Um, but she was very knowledgeable and well-trained and she seemed, and she also recommended Chinese herbs, which have helped. Um, and that's just another phase for me to deal with my situation better because there's no cure for fibromyalgia. And that's pretty much um, a fact, but yeah. just because there's no cure doesn't mean we can't do things. We can't make changes along the way. And, you know, I've also had some stem cells, which helped me. But it, they're not the same for everybody. The practitioners are not the same. So believe me, I'm not trying to say one thing works for everybody. It does not. But you're on a journey. You have to look at your own body. You have to look at what you need. And you have to do a little research on your own. I really believe that. Well, and, and I think it's really important, right, Linda? Like, I think it's deeply important that we advocate for ourselves. And it's okay to say, you know what, doctor, this doesn't make sense to me. Can you kind of look into it a little bit more if you're not understanding it can you, you know but like you said referrals and 
fiber they don't, fibromyalgia some doctors still don't even believe in it so they don't know and that's what you know like i said researching it in 2016 researching it in 2022 the good news the the one big article i found this year and i do chronicle i put that in my new book from 2022 and this is exciting because um i had accident i would say accidental success using stem cells. I had an injury to my knee. I got stem cells in my arm and IV into my arm. And it for a period of time, it really helped my fibromyalgia. And I'm not saying there again that that might work for everybody, but it was kind of accidental. But now this article that came out in 2022, they're more or less pointing to the fact in this research, and it's another country, it's not the United States, it's a foreign country. But this doctor is believing that the stem cells for many people with problems connecting to their nerves or their brain, that they may be beneficial and helpful. And so what I found out accidentally that helped me anyway, in my situation, the research is now pointing to that. But there again, many doctors, you know, they do their practice every day. They don't have time to read articles. They don't have time to do research and they don't know enough about it to refer their clients to a practitioner, um, I learned something about fighting cancer. I didn't know just, just from this doctor on the ship, someone that was told they had three months to live and now they're still alive because they found alternative medicine. But I will say, do not give up and look at it alternative medicine and don't be afraid of it. But what you know they've been doing many years in foreign countries if it works, think about the result and what if you have tried everything else and nothing is helping you, you know, maybe you have to be strong, you have to be courageous. And there again, not for everybody in every situation, but it's just it's a possibility for some people um, that they may be able to find that avenue to get help. Well, and I think it's really important that we push it, right? Because we know our body is the best because we're in the body. Exactly. So we know where it hurts. We know if that, and you know, that's not as painful as it was the day before. You know, uh, advocating for ourselves is our duty to ourselves, you know, the self-love yes. of ourselves. Uh, yes. I, I want to get into that phrase, broken is beautiful. What does that phrase mean to you, Linda? Well, broken broken to beautiful i have been broken for many 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 years and um but just because we're broken doesn't mean we cannot be beautiful at the same time and what we see as beautiful the world may not see as beautiful beautiful is a very broad term when you're broken and you know you're broken there's no doubt in your mind that you're broken but you know, the other thing is, I think God sees us as beautiful no matter what. I have the faith to believe that we may not see ourselves as beautiful for a long period of time. I looked in the mirror and I hated myself. And that's embarrassing for me to say. But I was on steroids. I was very overweight. I was not attractive. I really wasn't taking care of myself either at that point. But um, God still saw me as beautiful. And I know in his eyes, I am beautiful. And in the eyes of the people that love me, I'm still beautiful as well. But, you know, beauty, we have to be careful about because, you know, that old saying, beauty is only skin deep. It's true. Our inside beauty is to me more important than our outside beauty. We're all going to get older. We're all going to get lines and wrinkles and have physical problems as we get older. But if we maintain a happy, optimistic spirit and we're, we're pleasant to be around and we choose to have a positive attitude and choose to try to reach out to other people in spite of difficulties, then we can still see ourselves and other can, others can see us as beautiful as well. Um, our heart and our spirit and our soul, to me, that's more important to be beautiful in those areas than to have exterior beauty. That's just my opinion. So we have a question here about book one, the title Supernatural Rescue. So what do those two words mean to you? Well, supernatural there again, um, it's something I can't explain. People say, you know, I don't believe in it. I can't help it. <laughs> this is the first time this ever happened to me. It was supernatural because it was outside of myself. When I felt I was physically dying and leaving, going through the front door of my house, and then this hand pulls me back into my body, that's the only thing I can call it because it wasn't from me. It was from an external source 
which I believe was God. Um, the rescue part, he rescued me. That was just the beginning. It was just the beginning. Supernatural rescue was just the beginning of the many years, which I feel he's still rescuing me. He's still helping me. He's getting me through it, not always answering, like I said, all the prayers when I want them necessarily. But um, there's a song, um, a Christian song called Rescue Story. And every time I hear that song, I, I just identify with that because God is my rescue story. I have bad days. He gets me through those bad days. He's my rescue story. Even when I'm going through a bad day, a bad week, a bad year. He's still my rescue story. And so I do identify with that. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, we look at words and it's like you said, if you don't believe in it, you don't believe in it. We can't change people how they think, right? Everyone has their own perception on, on things. Right. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the supernaturals. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, the elder body, sometimes our body sometimes prepares us, you know, for a journey that we're not understanding we're like oh where am i going with this you know so i understand right. that whole thing with the hand you know like you're not done yet like let, let me push you back in there like you know uh get ready because it's going to be a battle you know and i i want to get into the color linda i ask all my guests what their favorite color is and you gave me blue why blue for well i had another vision later that year and i think it's recorded as supernatural rescue but um this is when the fibromyalgia set in and it was when people when I tell people fibromyalgia was worse than brain surgery. It's much, 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 much worse. But about eight months after the brain surgery, I started to feel like I'm feeling a little better. I'm walking again. I even started to dance again and and tried to, you know, get my life, my 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 practice back. But it it just when that once the fibromyalgia set in, I had pain all over my body. I couldn't sleep. It was just, I, I had trouble handling it because I'd been through so much. Um, but anyway, long story short, I was, I couldn't do a lot, but my 98 year old father up in Ohio, he was having problems. He needed someone to come up and help him. And so I flew to Ohio and I stayed with my father. And um, I think because I was starting not to sleep well and having a lot of pain and um, I forget exactly what I was doing, but I was helping him do something in the kitchen and I got an electrical shock. Oh, and, um, and I it just, I had this meltdown. I ran out in the garage, shut the door and cried and cried out to God and say, God, why didn't you just take me? Why didn't you just let me die? You know, I hate my life. Just poured my heart. It was anger though. I was really angry. I can say that was the first time I really think I expressed anger to God, true anger. Well, that night I went to sleep and I woke up. I thought I was having a dream and I realized this isn't a dream. I'm awake, but a blue light was coming through the ceiling. Oh. And I looked into the blue light and there was a figure on the other side. And I'm not sure. I At the time, I thought it was an angel, but, you know, it was a blurry figure. I thought, well, it could be an angel. It could be Jesus. It could be my mother who passed away. But the, the thing was that blue, the figure coming through the blue light, I knew immediately it was God giving me hope that I was going to get through it. And it was just so, it was, you know, even as special as God pulling me back into my body, if not more so, because it really was at a point I felt hopeless. I felt angry. I didn't understand, but that figure gave me hope that somehow I was going to get through it. And, you know, that was back in 2013 and here it is 10 years later, <laughs> I'm still battling fibromyalgia, but the good news is I've gotten so many answers and so much help and so much hope that, um, you know, people say, are you glad, you know, in some silly way, you know, nobody wants pain and nobody wants to go through suffering. But if I can help one person, then I feel it was worth it all. You just gave me goosebumps when you said like, you, you the blue light, you know, sometimes we look at colors as just colors, but the color actually means something to you. And, you know, like the vision, the feeling, as you were sharing your story, I was getting shocks through my whole body. My body was getting like these goosebumps because I could just feel that moment, you know, of being angry, being frustrated, being, you know, and going through so much, Linda, and still being here and being that person that says, you know what, don't give up. You got this. You know, you really are a true blessing 
to the world. And I want to thank you so much for sharing your story today with all of us out here. Uh, thank again, you so much. Thank you so much, Linda. Uh, I, you're going to make me choke up, but I, I want people to understand that tea time is a place of safety. It is a place to share your stories. It is a place that we can express ourselves. If we need to cry, if we need to get angry, we need to laugh. It's like going to grandma's house and expressing to grandma, you know what, grandma, I'm so frustrated. Why is this happening to me? You know, and it's like you said, Linda, why, why, Lord, why me? You know, but I feel that our stories have to happen the way that they do in order to help and encourage other people to carry on. You know, we might have similarities in our stories that help others push that light. Uh, any final messages that you have to the viewers and listeners out there? Well, the most important point that I want to make, and I really, this was kind of at the heart of writing the second book, is that I want to encourage people, do not give up. Do not give up no matter what. If you're at the end of your rope, talk to a minister, talk to a counselor, talk to a multitude of people, you know, seek out the roots of what you're dealing with to the best of your ability and try to find answers to the best of your ability, but do not give up because there is hope. There is always hope and there's always, um, I what I believe we're meant to have a positive future and that God does have a positive plan for us in the future. When that future is, we don't know. And sometimes we have to fight our way through things to get to the positive future. But I really believe if you don't give up, and if you have faith and if you um, just keep keep searching, keep looking and believe that there's people there with tools that can help you. And I believe that's true. We there again, we just it's not always in easily to, easy to find things immediately. But the more you search and, you know, the good thing about the Internet, there's a lot of material in the Internet and you may have to Google different words. It may not come up the first time. Or you may have to read different books. I've done a lot of reading by different people on different topics. And I did that before because I was a psychologist and I was always trying to help other people find solutions. But just believe that there's an answer and do not give up. And um, if you haven't tried God, give God a chance. Some people I know, they, they've had, maybe like me, they had issues with God. They were angry with God. They were upset. But God is still there no matter what. And I really firmly believe that. I may not have felt him at one point, but he was still there. And um, he's proved himself to be faithful to me in helping me get help during my most difficult days. And I have, I'm like everybody, I still have bad days. And I don't know why things happen, but I just try to get to the other side and get through it. Just like Winston Churchill said, just keep going, you know, get to the other side no matter how bad it is. But um Remember, you're not alone. Remember, you're not alone. There are those of us that care, that we will help you if we can. And there's also a God that cares. So just whatever, don't don't give up. That's the most important message I could give people. Well, thank you so much, Linda. And thank you so much for joining me and sitting with me and sharing your strong tea. You know, transformation, uh, encourage and attitude goes really a long way. You know, when we spill our teas and we're really authentic with ourselves, we really do make a difference and we do impact lives. So, Linda, if anybody would like to get your books, where can they get them? They can get it through Barnes & Noble. They can also get it um, through Amazon. They can download it if they like, or they can get a hard copy through Amazon. Also, um, you know, I, if they would need a speaker for their group, I would love to come and make sure that I have books there that I can autograph and give them personally as well. But thank you so much. And thank you to all the audience that tuned in this morning. And if you're going to watch the replay... Share this tea time with somebody that might need this tea time. This is what these tea times are for. It's to bring educational awareness. That's what Miss Liz does is I spill the tea, teaching educational awareness so we all can make a difference with our stories when we share and we collaborate with one another. So if this tea time has made an impact on your life or, you know, it might change someone else's life, share it. Give it a, and give it a little quick click and send it on its way, you know, because there's a reason why these tea times are happening. These are reasons why these guests are coming to Miss Liz. And I really, truly believe that God is sending me these people. And the, the message is to be shared with their teas. 
So again, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and I will see everybody at 3 p.m. for the second show and then at 7 p.m. for the third show. Uh, I really want to thank everyone for tuning in and I really do appreciate everyone's support. Um, um, I just want to say again, Linda, thank you so much for your story. You truly are an inspiration. You have made an impact on my life. Uh, like I said, you gave me goosebumps the last 10, 10 minutes <laughs> well, of the you. show. So I want to really you. thank you for that. And I want to see everybody at 3 p.m. when I bring in Brooks Ketos from the United States. And then I have Ashley Rekasser coming in from Canada. She's a composer. So we have all different topics, all different shows. So again, give a quick subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow DC Sums and share them. And again, I want to thank everyone for tuning in today. Uh, and I want to thank you for tuning in from uh, Congo. I really appreciate that as well. So again, I will see everybody at 3 p.m. for the second show and then 7 p.m. for the last show every Thursday, three shows on Tea Time with Miss Liz.